When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Darnell Nurse! He's looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Well, hi-de-ho, neighbors. Hope you've had a great Canada Day long weekend. My name is Reed Wilkins, live from the Palatial. 6.30 Chad Studios. I'm pleased to bring you Inside Sports on this holiday Monday. It is 6.06 and I gotta tell you I, I know it wasn't great weather today. I don't know if you spent some time outside. Maybe you're coming back into Edmonton from being at the lake or visiting people or whoever, but I gotta tell you, if you weren't around the television today, two things you'll want to check out at some point when watching one of the highlight shows later or, or going online. First of all, First of all, the World Cup of Soccer today, a couple of uh, really good, especially the second game, an incredible game between Belgium and Japan. But there was a moment in the Brazil-Mexico game, maybe you've seen it already. Again, if not, you may want to check it out. Quite possibly one of the most blatant flopping performances in the history of sports. Not just soccer, which is marred and known for its flopping. So you got Neymar playing for Brazil, who is one of the best players in the world. So he's down on the ground playing Mexico. You know, he'd been fouled or knocked down or whatever. He's on the ground, and the ball's sort of between his, between his legs. And the Mexican player comes in to pick up the ball and, and steps on Neymar's ankle with the, the front of his foot. It wasn't a full-on stomp. It wasn't like he came in and, and, you know, put a thrusting step down on Neymar. He had his heel on the ground, and it looked like he applied pressure with the front of his, front of his foot. Now, this, this was obviously an illegal move. I, I was watching the commentators break it down after the game, and they said, hey, that's a red card. You can't step on a guy. Absolutely. Dirty move. Neymar looked like he had just been trampled by elephants. Well, he probably wouldn't have been moving at all if he'd been trampled, but, but he starts rolling around. He actually did an incredible like hip thrust up into the air. I think he was actually airborne for a moment in one of the most spectacular motions of embellishment that I may have ever seen. It's amazing how being stepped on the ankle uh, can apparently cause your entire body to go into dramatic spasms of pain. Absolutely unreal. It was something to behold. And if, if you haven't seen it, if you've been out today, I really recommend watching it. Though, I will say this, I would think it would annoy soccer and non-soccer fans alike, 
probably if you're a, a non-soccer fan and you don't like some of the embellishment and diving and how they often seem to be in such extreme pain from a foul, you, it'll, it'll probably aggravate you uh, even more. I, I know my father has reluctantly had the World Cup on his television at times th- throughout the day and has often told me, why are, they, why, why are they always flopping around? Why are they always acting like they're in pain so much? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's the culture of the game. Perhaps is how we should put it. But this performance by Neymar, perhaps surpassing Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood as the best acting performance of this century. <laughs> Playing Daniel Plainview. <laughs> I abandoned my boy. I abandoned my child. I drink your milkshake. Neymar better than that. Item A to treat yourself to this evening. The other one, this was nuts. World Cup basketball qualifying today. Australia and the Philippines. A massive brawl uh, broke out. Like, this was crazy. There was a, like an aggressive foul in the key. Guys started going at each other. Looked like one guy attempted a flying kick at one point. A chair was actually thrown. This, this dude behind the baseline throws a chair at one of the players. The game was delayed for half an hour. Thirteen players were ejected. It, this was in the third quarter. Third, uh, for, for both teams, total, total of 13 players ejected. Australia won the game 89-53, which wasn't actually played to its completion because uh, Philippine, <laughs> the Philippines was left with three guys after all the ejections. Philippines was left with three guys after all the ejections. Eventually, the two of them fouled out, and that was the game. They just didn't keep playing with three guys. This was nuts. Uh, obviously, FIBA, the international governing body for basketball, has uh, opened hearings against the two countries in one of the craziest brawls you'll ever see. So it was an interesting July 2nd. We got this uh, crazy basketball bra brawl, epic, in its proportions, and the Neymar flop, which I'm sure will make many top ten lists as as one of the best performances of all time. So anyway, a couple of things. If if you've been away from the television all day, or you're looking to go online and uh, and see what was going on today, those will stand out indeed. Thanks a lot for tuning in. If you want to get in touch, you can call seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can also uh, call seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Uh, this texture says, Reed, can't ignore that honorable game played by Japanese and the Belgians today. Both sides were graceful. Well, I'm glad you wrote that in. And I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll bring Jack Michaels in the show a little bit later on. Jack, not a huge soccer fan, but he did tweet today how much he enjoyed that game. That was an incredible game. That was uh, just, for me, well, I mean, France-Argentina was really good over the weekend. Japan and Belgium. You have Japan, the big underdog. They take the lead. Belgium looks down and out. They fight back with a couple of goals five or six minutes apart. And then they score basically a walk-off goal right at the end of the game. Japan has a corner kick. The Belgium keeper grabs it, sends his team away on a rush. Lukaku, who, by the way, is a member of the Inside Sports World Cup All-Star team with a fantastic play. He faked a kick 
in front, let the ball go between his legs to a teammate who fired in the winning goal, and it was basically a walk-off goal. It was right at the end of time added on. Uh, as soon as Japan put it back in play, the ref blew the game over. That was, And I'm glad that texture brought that in because I don't want to just be a sarcastic jerk all the time about Neymar, though I think he deserves it. Uh, <laughs> that, that was a fantastic game, and everything you would want in a sporting event was was in that Japan-Belgium game. I, I guess unless you wanted the upset, Japan couldn't quite pull it out. And heartbreaking for the Japanese. And I, I got to say, seeing the end of that game, and, it, you know, it, it's interesting in Canada because I realize there are some people who just despise soccer in this part of the world, and you have every right to do that. It's not my number one sport, but I think the World Cup is a great spectacle. But I think just as a fan of sport... And the emotion and the passion that it brings out. When the final whistle went, you just saw so many Japanese players just just drop to the ground, you know, as if as if they had just had their legs taken out from under them, just drop to the ground, and the expressions on their face. And then I saw someone on Twitter from uh, Russia, from the stadium, the Japanese locker room clear cleared out after the game. They had cleaned it immaculately. Nothing left lying around, no mess, and a simple note left on the table in a Russian word translated to thank you, left by the Japanese team. That, that was a pretty incredible gesture. So you got, and again, thank you to that texter for, for texting that. Definitely a moment like Neymar today where I think we're all sitting there thinking, what are you doing? That's not, that's not good for your game. And then you got the Japanese pushing Belgium to the limit, almost pulling off the upset, and that an incredibly classy and sportsmanlike gesture after the game, which really, it got publicized, somebody put it out there, but I don't think that's why they did it. I think they did it to generally thank whoever was going to come into that dressing room and who would help them throughout the tournament. All right, so you can text 63630, the phone number 780-496-0063. We will get to Jack Michaels a little bit later on. Blake Dermott will join us for a few minutes on the Eskimos rally over the BC Lions on Friday night. Eskimos coming up in Toronto on Saturday, 2 o'clock countdown to kick off the game at 3.30. The Argos, as we knew, have officially named James Franklin the starter at quarterback for that game against the Eskimos. And Rich Walker is going to check in tonight. Now, I'm sure many of you hadn't heard of Rich Walker until Friday night when the young man threw a perfect game for the Edmonton prospects in Fort McMurray. First player in the history of the Western Major Baseball League to throw a perfect game, an incredible performance by the uh, for the prospects, who, by the way, won their big Canada game last night over Brooks with over 7,200 fans in attendance. So we'll get Rich's story on perfection. That was an awesome night for him. NHL free agency today. Couple notes for you. James Neal, after one year in Vegas, well, he's moving on. The 30-year-old signs with the Calgary Flames. Five-year deal. It's worth $5.75 million for season. He had 25 goals last year. He has scored 20 or more in all 10 of his NHL seasons. One of the most reliable snipers in the National Hockey League. Joe Thornton will stay with the San Jose Sharks. He gets a one-year contract worth $5 million. The Oilers over the weekend. Of course, we had our special coverage yesterday three signings two of them are going to be on the Oilers the other guy Kevin Gravel more of a tweener who I think more likely will spend most of the season in the AHL though we'll see the Oilers get Kyle Brodziak welcome back to Edmonton for him the 34 year old two-year contract 1.15 million is the average annual value per season he'll make uh, slightly more next year than he will this year and Tobias Reeder former Oilers draft pick 
one-year deal worth $2 million. He is fast. Uh, German, he's played with Leon Dreisaitl on national teams before, and uh, he gets a one-year contract. I, I know the Stauffer yesterday really surprised he didn't get more than the one year. Here's what Peter Shirelli had to say about that. He's uh, he's coming off uh, maybe a, what can be perceived as a, a average or below average year. Uh, he wasn't qualified. He's a motivated young individual. Um, he's you know there's there, the one year deal. It's a it's a good fit in general. Um, but you know if he hits it out of the park, uh, we'll be paying for it for next year. But it, it gives him a platform and. Uh, he's a fast, quick player. He closes on pucks. Uh, he, he kills. He didn't kill much with L.A., but he, he, he's historically he's a good penalty killer. Um, we're looking for some speed up and down the lineup, and, and uh, we were just in contact with him over the course of the shopping period, and, you know, we just, it made sense. Um, we were in on a couple other uh, players, and you have, you have to juggle a few balls at the same time, and, and we just we acted on that one, so happy to get him. I don't want to call this a make-or-break year for Tobias Reeder, but the one-year contract, who is he exactly? Well, we know he's fast. We know he can kill penalties. He did have a 37-point season with Arizona, had a 34-point season with Arizona, but he got traded last year from Arizona to L.A. The Kings decided not to offer him a uh, make a qualifying offer to Reeder. He'll obviously get a chance in Edmonton. There are open slots, not open slots on the wings, but there are... Um, moving parts on the wings in terms of exactly where players are going to fit in. Uh, I see him most likely as a third-line player, though who knows, maybe he's going to get a chance with Leon Dreisaitl up on the second line. A little more on that. Jack Michaels will check in. Don't forget the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss and Morley Scott is at 7.30 tonight. Quick timeout, Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. It is 623, Monday, July 2nd. Happy birthday, Canada. Have a great view of the fireworks last night. Uh, my uh, my friends have a house really close to the high-level bridge. You can stand out on the front yard, watch the fireworks Right over top of the River Valley. Awesome stuff. Always a really fun day. Oh, and I got to thank, I, I, I should have done this yesterday when we were on air in the afternoon. I got to thank everybody uh, with the running room, John Stanton, Joan Radford, all the great volunteers that get out there in the morning to help for the annual Canada Day road race. I ran the 15K yesterday morning. Really fun, good weather for it. And, uh, yeah, so many volunteers out there just making sure that the runners are safe, uh, vehicles aren't going, obviously members of the Edmonton Police Service as well, all the people working the water stations. And congratulations to all the runners. Just making it to the start line is a big accomplishment, and making it to the finish line feels even better. So thanks to everybody who was a part of that. Always love doing that. Just a little bit more here on the Edmonton Oilers, obviously, and you can get more on this on, on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. General Manager Peter Shirley was asked about improvement. Is this team better now after free agency and looking ahead to the new season in the fall? I think we've improved our team, and we've improved our team. We've improved our goaltending um, with Koskinen. Uh, I think we've improved our team speed. Um, I think we've improved our um, our, um, our our veteran presence, maybe not from two years ago, but we've improved it. Um, 
uh, I believe we're headed in the right direction here. I don't know how, if we're going to be as good as we were two years ago. We're going to be better. Um, and to a, to a player, maybe not every single player will be better than last year, but I can assure you that a good number of them will be better. Um, due to their age, their pride, and what they've done in their course of their career. So um, we've improved our, our, uh, our penalty kill. Um, Brodziak, we did some analytics on Brodziak. In, with those PK guys that were over 80 minutes in PK time on ice, uh, I call them stick touches. They're sticks in lanes, sticks on pucks in lanes, uh, and block shots. He was ranked 19th amongst the penalty killers in the league. So, and you combine that with his face-off uh, ability and his and his percentages, historic percentages. We've improved there. So, we're heading in the right direction, and that's that's what we're trying to do. All right. Well, Shirelli's always been very careful in terms of talking about expectations. I, I mean, look, I think the Oilers are going to be better than last year because I think the power play is going to be a lot better and because I think Talbot will bounce back. I don't know if he's going to bounce back to the level of the playoff season, but I don't think he'll be a bottom five starting goalie in the NHL. He, he was top five the playoff year, basically bottom five this past year. Hopefully he can be somewhere around a top 12 goalie and the Oilers will be uh, be a lot better. If Shirelli mentioned it. They should be faster now. The PK should be better with Reeder and Brodziak. And players are getting older, and hopefully are, are some of the younger players are getting older and hopefully better equipped to handle some of the pressures that I think affected them last season. But are they a championship-caliber team? I don't think so. Are the Oilers a playoff-caliber team? Sure, I think they are. And I think they're, they're in that big section of teams where are they going to get the goaltending? Are they going to be able to win a few close games? Are they going to be able to play with a little more confidence than they did last year? Can the special teams win them a few more games? And, you know, there are teams, speaking of what the the Leafs did over the weekend, what happens now for the Leafs? Well, all of a sudden, some of the odds makers have them as the Stanley Cup favorite. That's a totally different way to go into a season than maybe having no expectations or being an underdog or people being not sure who you're going to be. When you start hearing all summer, like the Oilers did last year, that you might win the Stanley Cup, that that's a different sort of pressure to deal with, and now the Leafs are going to have to face that, and we'll see how they handle it. I'm not saying they can't handle it. Leafs and Jets, they're going to have to handle that for the Canadian teams with high expectations. It is 627. Quick timeout for the news. Then we're back with Jack Michaels. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. One hour from now, it is the Eskimos Coaches Show. Morley Scott, Jason Moss in studio. Eskimos, what a rally on Friday night. A pretty dismal opening 25 minutes. Then they completely took over, stormed past the BC Lions 41-22. Eskimos currently with the two leading receivers in the CFL. Duke Williams, number one. Darrell Walker, number two. Mike Riley, second in passing to Jeremiah Mazzoli out of Hamilton. Man, Hamilton might be the real deal. Uh, I mean, I know Edmonton didn't look great against the Tiger Cats, but after seeing what they did to Winnipeg, now you think how much of that was... Edmonton not playing well, and how much was the fact that maybe Hamilton is legit good? By the way, it's uh, so much for my... Well, it wasn't so much a prediction, but it was a uh, some serious musing 
the other night when I said, I don't know if the Montreal Alouettes are going to win a game this year. Well, not only did they win a game, they walked into Saskatchewan and won. Now, obviously, the Riders' quarterback situation is once again in disarray. But Durant Carter getting torched at defensive back, got a couple of costly penalties, and uh, now certainly the refrain out of Rider Nation is, what is Chris Jones doing? Why is Durant Carter playing defense? It's hurting the defense, and it's hurting the offense because he's not playing offense. Chris Jones, it sounds like he's going to stick with it. Riders uh, back in action on Thursday against Hamilton. You can get us at uh, 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. Speaking of uh, the World Cup, a replay of that Belgian-Japan game on my television right now to talk about all things in the world of sports. Edmonton Oilers play-by-play voice Jack Michaels. Jack, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Reed, always a pleasure. This is the first Canada Day that I actually spent in Canada, believe it or not. First first in eight years. So uh, had a little uh, little celebratory uh, situation going on yesterday, and a uh, good time was had by all. So he, Sherwood Park does it upright. i got to give it credit. No one parties like Sherwood Park. That's what they say. That's what we say now. As of right now, that's what people say. I don't want to be termed as a suburbanite anymore. I mean, it was going. Like, there was all kinds of activities, late-night fireworks. Yeah, we had a good time. Jack, I've I've introduced you in a lot of different ways on this show. Edmonton Oilers play-by-play voice, ostrich race caller, Cleveland Browns fan. Do I now Uh-oh. add? Do I now Are add wor- soccer fan? World Cup soccer fan is now how I introduce you today. What's going on? Well, I got to tell you, in the last couple of days, and I think even your most ardent soccer supporters would say the France Argentina game, combined with what happened today uh, in terms of the Belgium rally, two of the more exciting World Cup soccer games probably ever. And uh, they've happened in the last three days. So, yes, it's captured my attention. Yes, I'll grudgingly admit that I've been enraptured at times by the play. And, uh, look, yes, for two weeks every four years, it's now a possibility you might catch me watching soccer. Well, the Japan-Belgium game today was certainly compelling because Japan was on the verge of a massive upset. Maybe night not quite on the scale of Russia over Spain, but but up there. And then for Belgium to rally and basically win with a a walk-off goal because the, the Japan only kicked it in play. And I'll, I'll also remember today, Jack, for the incredible... Now, he did get stepped on. He, he did get stepped oh, on. Oh, but that, the incredible... That's why I... Yeah. <laughs> talking about Neymar. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem with soccer is that, you know, that Neymar stuff. And I'll tell you what, I mean, sure, Russia had a big upset, but boy, was it a boring upset. I mean, that's the kind of game that, again, that's why I don't like soccer is the kind of the kind of game that Russia played against Spain. I mean, I found that game extremely dull, and I realized there was an upset, and maybe Russia had to play that way, but again, that's why people don't like soccer, so uh, I, I like the I like, there's, there needs to be some scoring, there needs to be some uh, breathtaking plays, and I, I thought the Portugal game was a good one and even though it was only 2-1, so I don't need a ton of goals, but I do need some action, and certainly France, Argentina, and Belgium's thrilling comeback over Japan was was uh, more than fit the bill. All right, and uh, is this? Are you going to Wimbledon right away? Isn't this your what's become an I'm annual trip? 
Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm leaving Wednesday, and I just need, I think, form to hold on Wednesday. And if that happens, I think I'll be, you know, courtside uh, Friday for both Roger Federer and Serena Williams. I've seen Federer play on center court, but I've never seen Serena Williams play anywhere. So uh, that could be that could be exciting. So, I, yeah, it's a trip we enjoy. I'm um, getting forward to looking forward to getting out of town for a little bit, but uh, I'll be back soon enough. I, I want to ask you quickly here before we, we talk about some hockey stuff, because, you know, you and I are lucky. We get to see all the Oilers games in, in person. You home and, and away, me home. I mean, I, I attend Eskimos games. You go when you can. Uh, you know, we've seen Major I'm League Baseball. The other night. Yeah, yeah, what a. Man, did they ever put it together after a bad start? But when you're tell tell people when you're watching tennis in person, what do you get that you don't get on TV? Pace, absolute pace. I mean, that ball is just absolutely flying all over the place. You can't you can't imagine uh, the pace the game is played in person. It's actually very similar to hockey in that regard. I don't think there's any way uh, to appreciate the speed of hockey. Um, watching on TV. And I, I realize it looks kind of fast on TV with the puck pinging around and everything, but I still think there's no way to replicate hockey in terms of an in an arena presence. And I feel the same way about tennis as far as you've got to be there. I think sports like football and basketball you can watch on TV and certainly in football's case often be more comfortable and in basketball case often have a better seat. But I think three major sports that you need to be there in person to really appreciate the whole experience are hockey, tennis, and baseball. Jack Michaels joining us on Inside Sports, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Oilers on the Oilers Radio Network and 6.30 chat. Okay, free agency opened up yesterday. Obviously, it continues, but there's always the the big uh, gusher of signings. Uh, the Oilers got, you know, a, a tweener-type defenseman in Kevin Gravel. We'll see where he figures in. Speedster in Tobias Ryder, who we'll see if he can add some consistency and maybe a little more offense to his game. And, and certainly a known commodity in Kyle Brodziak, who was an oiler earlier in his career. Uh, Peter Shirelli said, you know, it didn't mean anything to him because he wasn't with, with the Oilers at the time. So he doesn't necessarily view it as bringing guys back. But that's how obviously a lot of fans will, will feel about it. And Brodziak was, you know, was, was pretty well liked for the role that he played when he was here. Jack, I mean, we knew they weren't going to be big fish hunting. Hey, it's July 2nd, so you always talk about best case scenario and then hope it pans out that way. But best case scenario, deeper faster, a little better PK? Would you say that? Well, I also think they did a nice job with respect to, you know, what the contracts look like. In other words, there wasn't a lot of term given. They didn't overpay for depth. They didn't go, you know, four years, $12 million, for instance, for for Roussel and, uh, and Jay Beagle. And, and I have uh, appreciation for those players, but I also think in a couple of years, Vancouver may be ruining the fact they don't have enough room. I think, uh, you know, in Peter Shirelli, you're talking about a combined three years on those deals for Reader at one and, and Brodziak at two. And then, and then again, the, the money isn't outrageous. And you know what? The Oilers didn't have a lot of money to spread around. So I thought they did very well in terms of, you know, Mark Letest, who was shipped out to Columbus, uh, Kyle Brodziak, 
I think, is a better penalty killer at this stage of the career. He's probably not as good a face-off guy, and his offense, I think, will be about even. Uh, better at even strength, better on the PK, theoretically, especially if he's got Reader. I mean, if you put those two together, you know, Brodziak wins a face-off and outlet pass to the fleet of foot Reader, as you aptly point out. You might have a bit of a threat there from a shorthanded perspective. With Tastu, obviously, better on the power play and generated some production and, and, and a career year for the Oilers a couple of years ago on the power play. So I think that's a pretty good trade off. And again, with Brodziak, people want to say, well, he's 34. Well, the deal's only for two years. So you're not putting yourself in jail, uh, you know, with, with long term contracts and commitment, both financially and term, for depth. Players. So I thought the Oilers did very well. I still think there might be a move out there that would make sense for Edmonton. A guy that's kind of on my radar, Reed, uh, in terms of goal production, because I'm always a guy that you're always looking for an extra 15 to 20 goals from spots where you might not have anticipated it coming from. And I think they're, I think they're putting some bets on the fact that Ty Ratty and Drake Kajul will supply that offense. But I think maybe a low-risk signing out there would be Scott Hartnell. I know he's 36, but he had 13 goals in 60 games last year. He's still a productive player. In fact, he generated more points per 60 minutes than a guy like Rick Nash. Uh, and I also, you know, by and large, he has a tremendous reputation among the teammates with whom he's played. So uh, that's just an example of a secondary signing that might be out there should the opportunity present itself for Edmonton. But again, you might make the argument, Reed, and you and I have talked about this, in terms of depth, there's not many spots left. Well, no, that's right, and there's not a lot of money left for the Oilers, and it sounds like we'll probably get uh, some kind of announcements on, on Nurse and Strom in the next week or two uh, as they're restricted free agents who receive qualifying offers. Hey, Jack, before I let you go, you know, I, I remember, I can't remember who said it, but uh, I read a few years ago, somebody said, uh, maybe it was even you, the, the history of the NBA is really the history of the Celtics and the Lakers. Well, that hasn't been overly true lately, but the Lakers... <laughs> They got LeBron. They got they got they got LeBron. You must be thrilled, eh? <laughs> well, it seems like every seven or eight years the Lakers are, are back in the mix. I mean, and you know they had a bit of a cold spell there in the seventies, uh, and, and then it came back in the eighties. Then there was a bit of a cold spell there in the late nineties, and it came back uh, in the late you know two thousands. And now after seven or eight years of again. Uh, both teams get long in the tooth. I think both teams have done a nice job of rebuilding. And, you know, from a Celtics perspective, they probably consider themselves the favorite out east now that LeBron has departed. And, you know, the, the problem is, you know, look, the West is the difference in conferences with LeBron moving out west. Reed is at a point where, I mean, I, I just can't think of a time in either the NBA or the NHL where it's been more lopsided. Uh, maybe a few years ago, the NHL was close, but in terms of West versus East. But right now, I mean, the West is just loaded, and, and the East is, I mean, I, I just can't see a scenario where the Celtics don't win the East. And then the West, uh, you know, Reed, whoever survives the West, I don't know whether they'll be uh, fit to play a seven-game NBA Finals against the Boston Celtics, who I, I see cakewalking through the East. Look, LeBron's a great player. Uh, I'm no Laker fan, as you know, 
but he's certainly tilted the balance of power even more dramatically in favor of the Western Conference. Yeah, it's uh, going to be uh, interesting to watch them again. Jack, have a great trip. Enjoy Wimbledon. I look forward to hearing from you when you get back, buddy. And maybe some CFL analysis when I do get back? Oh, absolutely. I know you'll want to see how James Franklin does against the Eskimos. Oh, yeah. You you know that guy's been a target of mine for a while, and now all of a sudden he's he's going to be the starter. But you said it as far as the Eskimos are concerned. It was a classic case of water seeking its level. BC probably should have been up by 25 points in that first half. They had a few overthrows on touchdown passes, and then Edmonton slowly took over. And, and as I'm sure you're pointing out on your show, now that their secondary is starting to get a bit healthier, maybe that'll shore up that Eskimos defense. Yeah, for sure, Jack. Good stuff. Thanks for coming on tonight. Have fun in Wimbledon. And uh, we'll have more on the Eskimos with Blake Dermott after the 7 o'clock news. Quick hit with him. And then Jason Moss is in studio between 7.30 and 8, the Eskimos Coaches Show with Morley Scott. You'll hear a little bit from one of the new guys, one of the new Oilers, Tobias Reeder, when we get back. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. The 29th annual Brick Invitational is underway at the Ice Palace at West Edmonton Mall. Teams of incredible 10-year-old hockey players from around North America. Team Brick Alberta won their opener earlier today, 2-1 over Manitoba. They will play again tonight starting in about 20 minutes against the Western Selects. We got to go to the kickoff news conference for that on Friday. So much energy. It was able to interview some of the players, including Alex Smith, Number 94, yes, he is Ryan Smith's son. Had a funny little moment with him. I said, what kind of player are you? He said, work hard, get her done. (laughs) That was great. Uh, A little bit more on that tournament by going to 630ched.com. You can also find more on the new Oilers there, including Tobias Reeder, signed to a one-year $2 million deal yesterday, and he's happy to be coming to Edmonton. You know, I'm uh, obviously uh, really excited. Uh, yeah, I got drafted by Edmonton a couple of years back, and uh, I really enjoyed my time there. Uh, I've been there for uh, a couple of camps, and uh, you know, it was a uh, uh, it was very nice to be there. So uh, my decision was uh, was pretty easy, obviously, with uh, those high caliber players they have on their roster, and. Uh, you know, uh, just uh, just being in a hockey city uh, made my decision really easy. Well, one of those high-caliber players is uh, another German player, Leon Dreisaitl. What can you tell us about your relationship with Leon and maybe times you've played together in the past? You know, uh, my relationship with him is, uh, is really good. I actually uh, talked to him today for, for quite a bit, and... Uh, you know, we've uh, played together in, uh, in lots of uh, world championships. It started with uh, the World Junior Tournaments and uh, then obviously at the, uh, at the World Cup in Toronto a couple of years back. So, you know, I've played with him for quite a while and, uh, you know, I'm excited uh, to be on his team now. Tobias, you're a, you're a left shot, but are you comfortable playing uh, any three of the forward positions? Yeah, you know, uh, over the last couple of years, I've uh, I've played every position. So, uh, yeah, you can pretty much put me wherever you want. Okay, you know, you know, you're known for your speed, but give fans a sense that if we're going to see you for 82 games coming up this season, what else do you think we're going to learn about you in terms of the type of player you are? 
You know, uh, just, uh, I'm just trying uh, to be hard in the puck, you know. Uh, just uh, just uh, be hard to play against, be hard on the forecheck, and, uh, you know, create a lot of turnovers and, uh, and uh, you know, get going in the other direction. Tobias, what do you remember? Now, even though you never played a game for the Oilers, one of your biggest nights was in Edmonton. What do you remember about that game, that shift, when you got two shorthanded goals in less than a minute? Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a pretty crazy game. Yeah, you know, uh, I pretty much remember everything about it. That's uh, that's kind of hard to forget. But yeah, that was a that was a fun night in Edmonton. All right, and and do you expect that penalty killing is going to be your strength here when you when you join the Oilers in the fall? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, I've uh, I've played it a lot in uh, over my uh, over the course of three years and uh, in Arizona and. Uh, you know, I'm pretty comfortable on the penalty kill, and I, I really enjoy playing there. You know, in terms of being a free agent, that that's something not a lot of players get to experience in their in their careers. What was that shopping period like for you? Could you maybe tell us uh, how many teams, uh, teams teams were interested? It must have been sort of an interesting time fielding offers and going through some of the information. Yeah, I think uh, you know five, six teams uh, were interested, and uh, yeah, like you said, it's uh, it's a really exciting time. It's a little bit uh, uh, nerve wracking too, but uh, you know it's uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, obviously, in the summer, not a lot happens in the summer, and then this time comes around. So around, so it, uh, it was a pretty exciting couple of days. Interesting opportunity for you to to take a one year deal. I, I know there was some speculation maybe you'd get a longer one from from wherever you wound up signing. Is this uh, do you do you embrace that opportunity to say, hey, I'm I'm going to go out here and, and then get a longer deal, or or tell us about taking the one year contract? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, it uh, uh, that was my mindset, and uh, that's what I'm trying to show next year. A little bit from Tobias Reeder joined the Edmonton Oilers yesterday as free agency began. 7 o'clock news, and then we're back with Blake Dermott and prospects pitcher Rich Walker, fresh off Friday's perfect game. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.